Welcome to the Sardis Fellowship Sermon Podcast. Today's message was originally preached on December 5th by our lead pastor, Rod Heppel. Today is the second sermon in our Advent 2021 sermon series entitled, All That Glitters Is Not Gold. Check out sardisfellowship.com for more information about our church. Welcome to our second Sunday of Advent. Last Sunday, we kicked off our sermon series for Christmas called All That Glitters Is Not Gold. And you might remember, if you were with us, that Pastor Tim kicked that off by talking about Christmas traditions and looking for those things that are truly gold and those things that are just glitter. And then again, too, where those two seem to intersect. He made it very clear that we're not going to go all Grinch on Christmas and take away all our fun and all the festivities. Uh, we don't want to do that at all. We just want to make sure that we have our sights clearly set on that which is truly gold about Christmas, which is Jesus. Now, Tim made this excellent comment. He said, all the festivities and the warm fuzzies at Christmas are great. We're not going to be against that. But the gold, the true value, the true weight of Christmas is Jesus. At Christmas, we celebrate literally the most amazing truths and the richest truths that you can find, that you can know. And that is that God has come to us. God incarnate. God come in human flesh. To do what? He said to rescue us, his creatures. So that's what the gold of Christmas is all about. That's the story. That's why God has come in human flesh to rescue us. And we want to make sure that we don't miss the gold at Christmas. And so we're asking this question as we come together. Are we satisfied with just the glitter that Christmas offers, or are we really seeking the gold? Today we're looking at family. Um, Family time is a big part of Christmas, right? I mean, we all have family time to some degree, some extent. For some of you, you're thinking, that doesn't actually excite me. Others love family time. I do, but for some, it's not quite as, as fun. But a big part of Christmas is spending time together. And Eating food, playing games, doing all that kind of fun stuff. But we know that it doesn't always turn out that way, right? We know that there are many things that can derail a very lovely Christmas dinner. Um, A time together with family or friends. And then all of a sudden the conversation goes in a direction and it wrecks it. A few years ago, probably a number of years ago now, I remember having one of those times. It was uh, time to decorate the Christmas tree, and Anne had made a really beautiful dinner for us. And it was going to be a special dinner that kind of set the tone for the rest of the evening when we could then go and decorate. And uh, one of our kids wasn't really enjoying this dinner. In fact, was not going to eat it at all. To which Anne was explaining, this is a very delicious meal. Just give it a try. We know you're going to like it. But no, he wouldn't try to eat the food. And so as you know how these things go went from bad to worse, and pretty soon decorating the Christmas tree was nothing more than a chore. Christmas and family. What's the glitter? What's the gold? There's a lot that glitters at Christmas, and sometimes the things that we kind of set our sights on to bring us what our heart's desire is, they just don't deliver. They don't happen the way we think they should, and they don't meet the need of our heart. Now, I don't know what your family exactly looks like, your situation. Uh, Could be that you're married, could be that you're single, could be that you have little kids, could be that you have kids that are older than me. Um, There's all sorts of different kinds of scenarios too in, in family situations these days. And sometimes they get complex and they get challenging. So whatever your situation is today, I want to speak from my vantage point of my situation for my family. And I'm hoping that you're able to translate the principles to your own situation so that they help you. Now, my present situation for Anne and I is that we have four grown children. 
Uh, we've been married for 27 years, and two of our kids are now married, and the other two are going to college. We're even expecting two kids, as in grandkids, in the new year. And so we're really excited about that. This past fall was our first time tasting being empty nesters. So that's kind of the stage of life we're at. But it wasn't that long ago for us that our driveway was a parking lot, that teenage kids raised the roof with noise, and my Costco bill was $1,000. And it wasn't that much further back earlier than that when the kids were like sprawling out all over the house and all of their mess and junk. And I'm still finding Lego today in certain places in our house. Anne and I are both fortunate to still have our parents living. Uh, we have lots of extended family with siblings and they're married and they have kids and so nephews and nieces and they're even having kids. And so at Christmas time when we're talking about family in my context, it's my immediate family and both of our extended families. And of course we try to do something with all of them, at least at some point. That was our usual pattern. Now I don't think that this is too far off of a lot of our experiences where you too have your immediate family and your grandparents and ex extended family and that sort of a thing. But you may also have a situation that doesn't quite look like that. In order for me to speak on the topic of family today, I'm choosing to, to focus on kind of that idea of raising our kids in our homes. I'm going to be speaking about family from the perspective of, of where we have just come from, looking back and also presently still involved with our grown adult children. And I'm hoping that you can find the gold type principles in that kind of focus on family, and then take it forward and apply it to your particular situation. And of course, the whole idea is that if we can look at a principle that's true relating to family at Christmas time, then we're hoping that that would be the principle that would be true for all time, not just at Christmas. So, let's begin. I think it would be fair to say that most of us value family, even if our own experience has not been positive. Um, we see the benefits of family, and we know that when a family's healthy, where there's good relationships and where we're aiming at truly trying to love one another and foster a home that is loving and grace-filled, um, I think that we would all say, yeah, that's the kind of family we're aiming for or want to be a part of. I don't think anyone sets out to say, yeah, I want to sabotage the relationships in my home, and I want to be at odds with those who are closest to me. That's not what we want, but it is the challenge that sometimes is there. So the first thing I'm assuming is that you value family. And the second thing I'm assuming is that God values family. And the reason why I say assuming, the reason why I kind of put it like that is because, you know, it's not easy to go to just one passage in the Bible where it's laid out exactly what God has planned for family, what God's expectations are, and all of the notes are right there under one heading called family. It's not there. In fact, when you read the Bible about families, you're going to see a lot of them that aren't very good families. They're like examples of what not to do. Um, right from the very beginning, that first family, you have Cain, the older brother, and well, he kills his brother Abel. And, uh, and then you go through and you see Joseph and his brothers throw him in a pit and sell him into slavery. And then you have Eli, the priest, who's not willing to address the evil behavior of his own sons who are acting as priests in the temple. And David wasn't much better. King David, not able to even speak words of rebuke or correction to his kids. And in all of those kinds of dysfunctional family situations, we see the negative, the consequences that come out of it. So at least it serves for us a warning that if you don't address some of these things, then these are the kind of consequences that come. And we could go to Proverbs. Proverbs is filled with wisdom on family, relationships, husband and wife, but also um, more 
poignantly towards children and discipline in the home and giving us both the positive and negative side of implementing discipline or not. But there's no one section just on family. What you're going to find is like a smattering of verses here and there that speak to family or speak to what God expects us, uh, how we should be operating in a family. But it's under this overarching theme of God's plan and design for humanity and for the family. So here's what we do know. God created a man and God created a woman. Um, Genesis 2 says, you know, that God created a partner suitable for the man as a companion to do life with. Uh, we know that children are to obey their parents, but parents are also supposed to take note and not exasperate their children. Um, whether you're younger child or older child, we are to honor our father and mother. And so these are the principles that kind of speak to family and, and parents, again, you're not to embitter your children or to cause them to become discouraged. So there's these pieces that speak to the family and how we're to operate and relate to each other. We also know that there's this passage in 1 Timothy 3, and it speaks about the fact that God kind of has this family unit in place to, to grow us and mature us in Christ. And, and it kind of serves as a model that if you do well in serving and leading in your home, that then that translates to serving and leading in the church. And in particular here for elders or overseers, that they would be able to oversee their homes well, which would allow them then to serve well in the church. So, there's all these many passages in the Bible, and they, they kind of point to the fact that family is important, that it's God's design, and that it's kind of a central way in which God goes about maturing us and growing us as followers of Jesus Christ. So God fa values family. He puts a high priority on it. You value family. You put a high priority on it. So then what goes wrong? Like, what's the glitter part of family when it just seems to be like it's gold? But we know very well. We know very well how hard it is actually to carry this out. So it's one thing to know what God wants for family. It's one thing to know what I'm even aiming at in my home. But the challenge is doing it and doing it consistently and doing it for a long time. That's what makes this so hard. The glitter of family, well, that's easy. The gold part, that's hard work. We don't always put the right emphasis on the right things in our homes. Um, we can easily buy into the, the kinds of things that sound good or sound right, but in the end, they really come up empty, right? Now let's take the classic, traditional Christmas family photo. Um, we want it to be just right. We want to take that perfect family photo and put it online for other people to see. So I've kind of put up one here. It's like, this is what I want people to see of our family online at Christmas time. It was a great day. Everyone was happy. There were no fights. And look at us. Aren't we happy? But you know, it could be the furthest thing from reality. Maybe behind the scenes, it looked a little more like this, where you're getting your hair done. But you don't want to get your hair done. Or your siblings are fighting. Um, but that's not what we want people to see. We want them to have the perception that we actually have it all together and that this represents our day and this represents the true story. This represents our life. But honestly, raising kids in a home, I think it looks more like this. And I want to be careful here because I'm not saying that posting a family photo is a bad thing. I think it's great. 
And I would believe that most people, when they post a family photo at Christmas or even other times of the year, are simply trying to say that I love my family, I value my family. I think that's the intention of most of us. But let's make sure that we're being honest here about placing the value on the right thing because it's easy actually to slip into just wanting to be perceived a certain way. Would you rather, and this is a more recent photo of our family, as you can tell, they've grown up and they've grown more hair. Um, but would you rather have a great day with a bad family photo to post, or would you rather have a great family photo to post and a lousy day? Well, of course, you're going to go with you want the great day, right? We want both, honestly. We want a great day and we want a great photo. This happened to be a great day and a great photo. But before we answer too quickly this question, isn't it possible that we could do so much on the side of paying attention to making something perfect? A day, an event, a lifestyle. And in that striving for this perfection, we miss on, out on something else because the emotional energy might not be there for truly engaging with our kids and building the relationships or engaging with our spouse or our broader family and relatives. Isn't it possible that if it happens at Christmas time, where we put so much time and attention into those more superficial things that we miss that which is deeper, that which is gold? The gold is the reality part. The glitter is the perception part. And when we put our time and energy into making sure that we're working on those relationships, we're going to come up with that which is better. So here's a couple of questions for us to reflect on. Am I more concerned about how others will perceive my family than I am about what my family actually experiences? I really want you to think about this. Am I more concerned about what they out there might perceive about my family than actually my family themselves, the relationship I have with them, the home environment I create, and what's going on in their lives? You see, there's this pressure to make it look like we have it all together. That, that we know exactly what we're doing as parents and we know how to make sure that our kids are in line and all that sort of a thing. But the, the truth of the matter is, is that a lot of raising kids is very challenging and there's a lot of chaos in there and that allows for something very important for our families to grab a hold of and that is grace, the grace of God. That's the thing that is more important than just the perception of having it all together. Now, for sure, I'm not saying that you don't dress up and look nice. And I'm not saying that you don't take time to put together a lovely meal. And I'm not saying that you don't buy wonderful gifts for your kids. But what I am saying is you don't do it at the expense of the greater good. Or else you will truly end up with glitter and not gold. Secondly, and this is the one that I'm guilty of, have you spent all your time and energy doing for your kids that you've left little for being with your kids? And I've already kind of touched on this, but this one I want to land on and spend some time on here. Um, am I too busy getting stuff ready for the kids that I don't have time to actually play with the kids? Hey, man, I got them the great gift. What more do they want? I need a little me time. You know, that kind of a spirit here. And that's okay once in a while, but let's face it, once in a while can turn into a regular occurrence. I want to spend some time on this point, mostly because I own it and I think because it's a common challenge um, for us as parents. We live in a world that sends out these messages and puts certain pressures on our families. Messages about having to have it all and to do it all. 
messages about what's the best way or the right way. And if you're not doing it this way, then you're doing it the wrong way and we feel like we fail. But it's a lie. No one can live like that. And not only that, you cannot have it all. You have to make hard choices in life. So here's an example of how I see it working in our lives. Uh, we go to work and we work hard in order to get ahead, right? We put in the extra hours at our workplace or our personal business or a business on the side to be able to what? So we can buy some things, to enjoy those things, so that we can go on vacation. And that's not a bad thing. But this short-term plan of kind of putting in some extra time turns into a long-term pattern. And then the years start slipping away. And then before we know it, our kids are getting older and we're chasing whatever it is that we think is needed to make our home happy, our family happy, our kids happy, and in the end, we've missed the thing that we're really wanting and needing. You can't have both. You do have to choose. You see, it, it never ends. The cycle just keeps going. The more that you get good at your job, then they offer you promotions, and the responsibility that comes with the promotions demands that you put in the more time, and the more time you have to put in, you have to keep up with. And the expectations are there, and we kind of get pushed and prodded into this kind of lifestyle. But we're compromising. We're, 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 we're mortgaging the farm, as they say, right? We're mortgaging the relationship because we're trying to get ahead. But, but we must look down the road. What will happen in the end? Will the relationship be there? I have a neighbor who's an arborist, and he's got a really cool name. His name is Rocky Funk. And I stopped by one day to talk to Rocky. He's married... Um, got five little kids, probably the oldest one being about seven or eight years old, so they're all pretty young in age, maybe nine or ten. But one day I asked him if he would be able to take on a side job to uh, cut back some of the trees on our, at our place. And he really wanted to help me out, but he said, no, I'm sorry, I'm not able to do that. He said, you know, in the past I've taken on some of these side jobs, and it ends up taking away too much time from my family. And then he went on to say, he goes, you know, I know that these kids are going to grow up super fast and I don't have forever with them. And so I'm choosing now to spend my time with them, even though I know that it comes at a loss on the financial front. But that's my plan. <laughs> and I just shook my head and I said, Rocky, a good many of us men don't learn that lesson quick enough in life. We look back with regret about the fact that we were trying to get ahead and we weren't there with our families. And it's not just men. It's women. It's the way in which our society pushes and pulls, and we need to be aware of it. If you are like most parents, the time that you have with your kids when they're young, you kind of feel like you're going to be in this forever. It just feels like this is the way it's going to be, but that's not the way it is. And you know, you're telling yourself that you're doing all these things for your family because you want a better experience with your family. But the problem with that is that the, the time frame needed to build those relationships is only while you have them in your home when they're young and that clock is ticking. What so often happens is that the time needed for that relationship to grow, we, we haven't invested in making the relationship and as they get older, they pull away. And then the very thing that we were aiming for that we wanted in the end, which was to have the finances to be able to do the things that we could do together and they don't want to be together because something's missing and that's the relationship. And our world drives this agenda. I don't even know that they do it intentionally. It's just a part of living in a materialistic culture where it's the push and the go and the have more and be better and live for the moment and this is what you need next and all that kind of way of living and thinking. It's a byproduct of our materialistic culture, but it's nothing but glitter. Nothing but glitter and we will miss the mark. Like I said, I own this one. I live in this world too. 
my particular challenge, my inner narrative went something like this. My kids would love it if they had a sandbox, if they had a swing set, if they had a trampoline, if they had a hockey net or a basketball hoop. And they did. They loved all of that. But you know, don't miss this part. What they really wanted was dad to play in the sandbox, was dad to play on the trampoline, was dad to play floor hockey in the driveway. You see, it's with them, with them, with them that is a higher value than for them, for them, for them. We can be so busy building, we can be so busy fixing that there's no, left, no time left over for just being and playing. Now, here's what I think God wants of us as parents as it relates to raising our kids. He wants us to be there and to be engaged with them so that we're having the opportunity to lead them and to teach them and to show them Christ. When I was sharing with our staff this last week about this idea that I had, Tim said, you know, Rod, what you're really saying is what matters most at Christmas as it relates to families is our presence and our character. The godly character being shaped in me that I'm trying to pass on to my children. Yes, our presence is all about the relationship that we're trying to build with our kids by asking the questions and knowing who they are and finding out their interests and playing the games with them and just being there so that a relationship can be built. Why? For what purpose? So that the character part captures the whole modeling Christ and um, teaching them who he is, but also just in the moments that life brings, being able to show them who Jesus is. It requires both parts. It's not one or the other. It's both that go together. Our kids need us in their lives, but they need us to show them Jesus. That's the gold. And yet we can be off working so hard for them that we miss the very thing that they desire most for us to be with them. Now, last Christmas, there was this Coca-Cola commercial. Maybe you saw it about a dad having to leave to go to work on an oil rig at sea. His wife and daughter are standing at the door waving good goodbye as he begins to pull away in his pickup truck. And the little girl comes running out, Daddy, Daddy, take this. And she hands him a letter. And it's a letter that she wants him to mail to the North Pole, to Santa Claus at Christmas. He just kind of smiles and puts it in his lunchbox. And then later on, while he's out on his oil rig having lunch, he opens his lunchbox, and there's this letter. And he sees the letter, and he looks out. There's a postal boat, a postal service boat getting ready to take the mail. And he's like, i got to mail this thing. And so he hops in a Zodiac, and he starts taking off out towards the boat. And his Zodiac dies, and he misses the mail service. And then a wave comes, and it topples his boat, and it capsizes, and he gets washed up on shore, but the letter's still in his hand. And that begins this epic journey of this dad fulfilling his daughter's desire that this letter would get to the North Pole for Christmas. And so he goes on this very daunting journey through sleet, through snow, whatever it takes, and he finally gets to the North Pole, and he finds out that it's closed for Christmas. Dejected, he drops down to his knees, and he just lays the letter on the doorstep. Then he hears the honk of a horn of a semi-truck and he catches a lift and this guy takes him all the way back to his house. As the semi-truck is about to pull away, the driver reaches out of the window and hands him the very letter of his daughter that he had left at the North Pole. The man, puzzled, opens it and he reads, Dear Santa, please bring Daddy home for Christmas. Then the door of his house opens and his daughter comes running out. She jumps into his arms and he twirls her around. She has her wish for Christmas. Now, 
I know that this is an incredibly sappy story. It's very well done, though. And if you want to watch it, just go to YouTube and you can punch in Coca-Cola Christmas Commercial 2020. But here's why I like this commercial. Um, it resonates with me as a parent because I think for many of us, we identify with the heart of this father. First of all, the heart of the father is that he absolutely loves his daughter, right? Thinks is really cute. She's mailing a letter up to Santa Claus, but it goes beyond that. Once he realizes that he's missed fulfilling what his daughter wants, he's willing to go to any extent to fulfill what his daughter wants. If this is what she wants and this will make her happy, I'm not going to fail her as a dad, right? So there's kind of that parental instinct there to do what we think will make our kid happy. And so he goes to like crazy extents to, to fulfill this. Only in the end to have that letter come back to him. The irony here, that the letter actually just simply wanted dad home for Christmas. You know, so I think there's a strong message that's built right in there that while sometimes we get misguided in doing something for our kids or doing things that we think are going to make them happy, we're missing the very thing that is the more important thing, which is our presence and bringing Christ into our relationship with our kids. Those two pieces together. How can we as parents disciple our own children that they would know and love Jesus if we're not even there to begin with? One day I sat in Pastor Dave's office many years ago. Pastor Dave is our former lead pastor and our present pastor emeritus. And he gave me some wise counsel at the time. He said, Rod, you need to pull back from some of the activities that you're doing in the church. It's, it's too much. You see, Rod, something's going to give. And it's the kind of thing that you don't want to compromise. It usually ends up being the relationship in your home and the relationship with God that you have. Something has to give when you overcommit. It comes at a sacrifice. And then he said this. He said, churches come and go, but your family is forever. I never forgot that. It's not that churches are bad. It's not that at all. It's that you can never meet all of the demands of life that a church life would bring. It's just like a work environment. Your work environment has more demands and more needs than you can accomplish in a day, in a week, in a year. And if you allow a company to suck the life right out of you, there will be nothing left over for your relationship with God or your relationship in your family. So take that idea. Businesses, careers, jobs, all of it. Studies, they come and go, but your family is forever. And I know that we all have jobs, but we don't all have the same job, and they look different in how they're scheduled. The workday doesn't look the same for everyone, and it can't be neatly divided sometimes in your situation. But I'm not talking about putting in 40 hours a week, and I'm not talking about fulfilling your responsibility to your employer. I'm talking about everything else that goes beyond that, that draws your time and attention away from the home. Your presence and your character is what your family needs the most. Not only at Christmas, but always. So God has given us the family as his primary uh, tool, his primary means for discipleship. That parents would teach and model Jesus to their kids. And that's what we do at Sardis Fellowship to try to support you in that. In fact, these recent Advent bags that were put together, a packet of information to help uh, through Sardis Kids that have gone out to our various homes that have been a part of Sardis Kids. It's to help parents be able to engage with their kids around the Christmas story, that they might teach them what this is all about and help them understand who Jesus is and how to love him. And Pastor Tim says he has many other resources as well. So if you want to reach out to him, he has other things that he can help you as a parent know how to teach your kids how to love Jesus. Now there's this great passage in Deuteronomy 
chapter 6, um, just about God's expectation for us as parents in this whole idea of raising up our kids in the way of the Lord. And it says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your, he- on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So you can see that principle in this passage about training up your kids in the way of the Lord. In fact, it starts off by saying first and foremost that you need to love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's number one. If that's not there, then start there. Then number two, it says that we have the responsibility to impress upon our children these commandments of God, the truth of God, and New Testament language, understanding who Jesus Christ is and why he's come. And then thirdly, it lays out a few of the how things. You know, it doesn't say that you have to put them in a class to learn this. No, it talks about doing life together. Wherever life takes you, you might be sitting down, you might be walking along the road, you might be going to bed or you might be waking up, it doesn't matter. You are the one who is there, present. You are the one who is there bringing Christ into that relationship, helping them understand these truths of God. Make it obvious, post it on your frame of your doorhouse, put it as a plaque on your wall, whatever it takes, but also it includes ideas like sharing your own story. Speaking your faith to your children that they might know what you believe. Speaking your own story of how Jesus Christ came into your life, changed your heart, took you from a world of sin and placed you into his kingdom of love. Speak your story to your kids. Make it clear. That's what this passage is talking about. It's hard to find the time when our jobs take so much of our time. But I want to challenge you to consider what is the opportunity and the rhythm of life that you have to make sure that you're doing this. Because as a parent, you've been charged by God to be the disciplers of your children. So what might it look for you? We all have jobs. We all are given 24 hours. We all have seven days in a week and we all have 365 days in a year. But it's still our job as parents to take a hold of our time, take a hold of our priorities and figure out how to do this job that God has given us to do. Because if we buy the lie that we can have it all, in the end, we'll lose the very thing that matters most, that we value the most. There's a principle that Jesus gave us in Matthew 6, and it was relating to God and money and priorities, but just take the principle and apply it to our conversation right here now. Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And for our sake today, we can't expect our kids to grow up to know and love Jesus if we're not there to teach and model what that is and what that looks like. So here's my conclusion. Christmas allows us a glorious opportunity to disciple our children, to be present and to bring Christ into that relationship. It can be in our homes with our kids, as I've been predominantly talking about here, but it also applies to your other relationships and contexts in life that you have. Because if you are a person who understands what it means to be present in your relationships with a brother, in your relationship with your parents, or anyone else, then you're going to get this. And if you are a person who understands that Christ is first in your life, then you're going to know what it means that while you are present with that other person, that you're also seeking, what might Christ have me be 
or do or say in this relationship at this time. So the question I have is, who in your family do you need to be present for and to bring Christ to? Will we just attend our family gatherings this year at Christmas? Or will we allow God to help us go for the gold? I remember a number of years ago driving home from an extended family get-together. And as I was reflecting on the day and how fast it had gone, and I, I thought to myself, you know, I'm kind of sad. I, I actually didn't take the time at this family get-together to get around to all the nephews and nieces and to have any kind of a meaningful conversation with them. It was all very fun and it was all very lighthearted, but where was the opportunity to go deeper? It was there. I didn't take it. Where was the opportunity to bring Christ into those conversations? It was there. I for sure missed it. So, as we come to the conclusion of this sermon, I want you to consider your Christmas. You're in the Christmas season right now. You're probably starting to meet with family or friends or people in your home, doing family traditions together. What's it going to look like? And so here are some discussion questions for you to consider coming out of this message. How do your, Christian, how do your Christmas family get-togethers usually go for you? Two, how could you be more present this year at Christmas with your family? Three, is there someone in your family that you need to be intentional about bringing Christ to this Christmas? God bless you as you consider these questions. We'll see you here next Sunday. Thanks for listening to the Sardis Fellowship Sermon Podcast. For more information on Sardis Fellowship, please check out sardisfellowship.com.